Hey guys, this is Samantha. Um, I just wanted to go and one touch base on why we're so delayed on starting our season three. Um, one, um, the first week when we were supposed to start, I wasn't feeling that great, um, and I wasn't mentally prepared to do the podcast. So I, I spoke with um, Anuel and I said, let's leave it for the following week. Um, to go ahead and do this, um, but unfortunately, last week, because like we always do, we do it on a Saturday, um, and if you hear wind or like noises, I'm outside, um, recording this, I didn't want to be inside, I've been inside for the past almost two weeks, um, and I'm just annoyed with being inside my house, um, so back on the subject, um, last week, as you guys know, if you're following my Instagram, I lost my beautiful sister with her bat from her battle with cancer. Um, so on Thursday, she succumbed to, you know, uh, yeah, you know what I mean. Um, it's a very hard subject to talk about. Um, a lot of things occurred afterwards that left it into a spindle. Um, there are still fam- my family members that are still moan- mourning, um, and I'm in mourning, but I I need something to keep me occupied. So I figured, um, do something, right? You know, um, she was very proud of the fact that um, I was doing this podcast. She would listen from time to time. There were some subjects that she could not. She was like, no, uh-uh, not doing it. I can't hear her, Sam. I'm not doing it. And, you know, I was like, but please, just do it for me. You know, um, I'm not going to say, oh, I'm going to dedicate this podcast um, to her because I think she would go and haunt me for the rest of my life. You know, and I, I don't I don't want that. I don't need her haunting me. I will like her presence with me forever. Yeah, cool. Just don't haunt me, you know. Um, so, anywho. Sorry about that. Um, my boyfriend needed me for a second. Um, like I said, I'm outside, so if you hear things, um, you're probably going to hear cars going by, a train going by. I've always said it that the train is right next to where I live. Um, I just needed to do something today. I could not continue to just sit. So, moving forward, we're going to go into today's pot into today's episode, um, and it's about John Wayne Gacy, um, I know a lot of you guys probably already know about him, or heard about him, you know, he's also known as the killer clown, he's known as the, you know, Pogo the clown, um, there's been books about him, there's been videos about him, and I believe right now there's a Netflix, um, uh, series with about him um, and it's like it goes very into detail um, which is what I've based my podcast a lot of it off of it was because it had so much in-depth information that I feel like some other places didn't like fully explain so I I did do a deep sea dive um, one to escape the reality of what was going on in my life Two, um, 
just to come back with something stronger for you guys. I felt like, um, you know, third season, yay. We needed to come back strong, you know. Um, so let's begin. So John Wayne Gacy was born in Chicago, Illinois, um, and he was born March 17th. 1942 um and if i'm right that makes him a pisces because my son who's march 15th is a pisces so yeah yeah i hope my baby boy is good he's yeah he's a he's a loving caring child okay um so with john wayne gacy um he's actually the second child and the only son of john stanley gacy and Maureen Elaine, um, I hope I said her name right, Robinson. Um, so his father was an auto, auto repair uh, machinist and a World War I veteran. And his mother was just, your, you know, your average homemaking, stay-at-home mom. Um, Gacy was of Polish and Danish um descendants and his family was very catholic which is a norm um for those descendants to be where they are very catholic um either you know um his parental grandparents um spelled their name actually gatsa or gaka um had immigrated to the united states from poland um which was at the time um part of the german state of perugia so yeah pretty cool knowledge I, i've learned about some stuff um so then his just jumping ahead um into his childhood and his childhood he was actually close to his mother and his two sisters but he endured a difficult relationship with his dad so he always felt like it wasn't never he was never good enough there was you know he was never had that moment to say it's did I make you proud of me um and that can affect a lot of kids um and I know I'm saying a lot um please forgive me but it can affect children looking for that approval from one of their parents or both of their parents which is why whenever like my kids come to me and say look mom look what I did even if it's the most you know it's a drawing with just, you know, a stick and a, and a head, you know, a stick figure. Um, I'm like, wow, I'm impressed. I am so impressed. You know, you got to amp them up. So with his dad, his dad was an alcoholic, which means a lot of things. There was a lot of physical abuse in this family um, because of the father's um, alcoholicism, if you want to put it that way. His father would belittle Gacy and call him, you know, you're dumb, you're stupid, and compare him to unfavorable, and compare him to his sisters. Um, so one of Gacy's early memories uh, was that his father beaten him with a leather belt for accidentally disarranging components of a car engine he had assembled. 
his father tried to sh so his mother tried to shield her son from the father's abuse which only resulted in accusations that he was a, a sissy and a mama's boy and who would probably grow up to be queer sorry for that word but that's the word that they he used to explain what to say what his father called him and i just want to use you know if the verbatim was what he said i wanted to be where you know you kind of have the experience of how his childhood was so please do not take this a personal way i just want you guys to know what was said um so which being honest um your mom shielding you from a possible beating or whatever um I think it's not that you're a mama's boy. It's not that you're a sissy. It's not that you're going to grow up, you know, um, homosexual or anything like that. It's just your mom doing her part as a parent, protecting you from any harm from anybody. And that's what a mother's supposed to do. So that has nothing to do with how you grow up. It, it does create the foundation where you, you want to protect. You know, it, for me, that that's what that is. And, you know, luckily I haven't had to do that in my role as a mom. You know, um, protecting my kids. I've had to do it, you know, outside and make sure nobody tries to mess with my babies. You know, but inside my household, no. They're, thank God, you know. So... Never feel that you, you can't protect your child because you don't want them to grow up being a mama's boy. Nothing wrong with being a mama's boy. It just means your kid will take care of you when you can no longer take care of yourself. Okay? He will understand what it is to respect, love, and care for a woman. So don't take it the wrong way. So despite this mistreatment that he would receive from his, from his dad, Gacy like every other kid, still loved his dad and felt he was never good enough in his dad's eyes. So, in 1949, Gacy's father was informed that his son and another boy had been caught uh, sexually fondling, fondling a young girl. His father whipped him with a razor strap as punishment. So, back in the day, they would they would go and have to sharpen their their razors to shave their face um it was one of those razors that you know you you flip it open some barber shops still use it um and i always love watching them do this they would they would you know swish it back and forth from side to side to make sure that the edges were smooth enough to cut a nice smooth to the skin shave and i think those are like the most sexiest shaves ever uh, so he used that to whoop his son as a punishment. Then the same year, a family member, a family friend and contractor would sometimes molest, um, Gacy in their truck. Uh, Gacy never told his father about this. You know, he was afraid that his dad would go and beat him again and blame, say, oh, it's your fault that this happened. You're, you know, you did it. And not say that he's a kid. He's, he's not at fault for a grown man's action. Um, 
so that that's where that kind of sucks and that kind of molds where going from the protective side now you're introduced into this whole hatred and um victimology it's all fault you know kind of like everything is all this is like turning you from this sweet kid to a possible evil you know depending on how you take it so Gacy he was let's, let's be honest he was a little overweight you know and unathletic and it was because he had a heart condition so that's why he was a little bit more on the chunkier side he was told to avoid all sports at school so during the fourth grade Gacy began to experience blackouts, um, and he was hospitalized on one occasion because these episodes, because of this episode, and also in 1957 for a burst appendix. So... Which I, I'm, I know they said like he had asthma um, in the show. Um, and I guess it would, you know, sometimes if you lose your breath and you can't get it, catch that breath to kind of like steady yourself back, um, you can black out because you remember it's basically a deprivation of oxygen. Um, so, yeah, unfortunately. Then, uh, like, between the ages of 14 and 18, he spent almost a year in a hospital and attributed the decline of his grades to missing school. So his father suspended, suspected these episodes were an effect to gain sympathy and attention and openly accused his son of faking the condition as Gacy laid in the hospital bed. So although his mother, his sister, and few close friends never doubted his illness, Gacy's medical condition was never conclusively diagnosed. One of Gacy's friends in high school recalls several instances when his father ridiculed or beat his son without provocation. Uh, on one occasion in 1957, he witnessed Gacy's father emerging drunk from the family basement to begin belittling, then hitting Gacy for no apparent reason. Gacy's mother would attempt to intervene as her son simply put his hands up to defend himself. According to the friend, Gacy never struck his father back during these altercations. Okay, so no matter what his dad did, he never went and, you know, fought back. He took all the abuse, all the, you know, indignifying remarks, everything that was just, you know, thrown at him, basically, and was, like, swallowing it whole, you know. Um, So that can do a lot of damage to someone, you know. So then his career origins. We're going to go a little bit into that. So, in 1960, at the age of 18, 
Gacy became involved in politics, working as an assistant precinct captain for the, a Democratic Party contendent in his neighborhood. This led to more criticism from his father, who accused his son of being a patsy. Uh, I'm not exactly sure, like, in what content he was trying to say, you know, oh, you're being a patsy, but, yeah, uh, apparently he was saying that, you know, and it's, it's like, what the French? Like, dude, can you ever just chillax? You know, this is your only son. He's supposed to live on your legacy. Give him a damn break. But, and I'm really saying it because, you know, when you're a kid, you're defenseless. You're, you're not born evil, in my opinion. It's the shit that happens to you that makes you evil. So, um, Gacy later speculated his decision to become involved in politics was actually to seek the acceptance from others that he never received from his father. The same year, uh, in 1960, Gacy politically involvement began his father bought him a car he kept the vehicle's title in his name until Gacy had finished paying for it these monthly payments took several years for him to complete his father would confiscate the keys to the vehicle if Gacy did not do as he said in 1962 Gacy purchased an extra set of keys after his father confiscated the original set in response, his father removed the distributor cap, keeping the component for three days. Gacy recalled he felt totally sick and drained after this incident. Hours after his father replaced the distributor cap, Gacy left home and drove to Las Vegas, Nevada. He found work within the ambulance service before he was transferred to work as a as an attendant at Palm Mortuary. As a mortuary attendant, Gacy s slept on a cot behind the emboweling room. He worked there for three months observing morticians emboweling dead bodies. Gacy later confessed that one evening, while alone, he clambered into the coffin. I want to say he climbed. Um, into the coffin of a deceased teenage male, embracing and caressing the body before experiencing the sense of shock. This prompted Gacy to call his mother the next day and ask whether his father would allow him to return home. His father agreed, and the same day, he drove back to Chicago. So on returning home, Gacy enrolled at Northwestern Business College, Despite having failed to graduate from high school, he graduated in 1963 and took the management training position with the Nunbush Shoe Company in 1964. The shoe company transferred him to Springfield, Illinois to work as a salesman and eventually prompted him to the manager for his department. In March of that year, he became engaged to Marilyn Myers, who was his co-worker. Isn't it no fraternization in the work environment? We should not be fraternizing. <sighs> oh. 
I don't think we should do that. It always leads to like some bad karma crap. You know, yeah, they got married, but what if they decide to work with each other? Like, get divorced and you gotta be seeing your ex's face all day. Uh, (laughs) you know. So, during this courtship, Gacy joined the the local JCs and worked tirelessly for them, being named key man in April 1964. That same year, he had his second homosexual experience, according to Gacy, after one of his colleagues in the Springfield JCs plied him with drinks and invited him to spend the evening on his sofa, he agreed. The colleague then performed oral sex on him while he was drunk. In 1965, Gacy had risen to the position of vice president of the Springfield Jaycees. The same year, he was named the third most outstanding Jaycee in the state of Illinois. So after six months of courtship, Gacy and Myers married in September 1964. Marilyn's father subsequently purchased three KFC restaurants in Waterloo, Iowa. The couple moved there so Gacy could manage the restaurant with the understanding that they would move into Marilyn's parents' former home, which had been vacated for the couple. The offer was ludicrous lucrative um so gacy would receive fifteen thousand per year the equivalent to what we would say is about one hundred thirty four thousand five hundred and fifty um in what is this time um plus a share of the restaurant's profits following the obligation um the obligatory tongue tied following the obligation obligatory um, completion of a management course, Gacy relocated to Waterloo with his wife. He opened a club in his basement where his employees would drink alcohol and play pool, although Gacy's employed teenagers of both sexes at his restaurant. He socialized only with the young men. Gacy gave many of them alcohol before he made sexual advances. If they rebuffed him, he would claim his events were simply jokes or a test of morals. So Gacy's wife gave birth to a son in February 1966 and a daughter in March of 1967. Gacy later described this period of his life as perfect. He had a fan, he had, you know, finally got, um, a family, you know, where it was, it wasn't just him and his wife. It was now him, his wife, his son, daughter. Um, and he had finally earned his father's approval. So when Gacy's parents paid a family visit in July 1966, his father privately apologized for the physical and emotional abuse he had inflicted throughout his son's childhood and adolescence before happily saying, son, I was wrong about you. And then he shook Gacy's hand. I'm like, why would you shake his hand? Why not hug him? Just give the kid a hug. That's what he's been dying for you to do. Is just hug him and say, I love you. 
you're an awesome child. And I think that probably would have changed the whole dynamic if that would have happened. But that's just my opinion. Don't quote me on it. <laughs> um, so in Waterloo, Gacy joined the local JC's chapter, regularly offering extended hours to the organization in addition to the to the 12 and 14 hour days he worked managing the three kfc restaurants lovely motorcycle just telling you know it was really pretty at meetings gacy often provided fried chicken and insisted on being called colonial or colonial i i i'm just like what 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 um so he and other Waterloo JCs were often de- were also deeply involved in wife swapping, prostitutions, pornography, and drug use. Which is like, what the fudge, dudes? Like, come on, really, really? Um. So, although Gacy was considered ambitious and something of a Braggart, um, the other JCs held him in a, in high regard for his fundraising work, and in 1967, named him outstanding vice president of the Waterloo JCs. The same year, Gacy served on the board of directors. Okay, so now we're gonna get a little bit of some intensity here and just hopefully we can keep this together so in August 1967 JC sexually assaulted 15 years old Donald Voorhees the son of a fellow JC Gacy lured Voorhees to his house upon the promise of showing him heterosexual stag films regularly played at JC's events. So Gacy plied um, Voorhees with alcohol and allowed him to watch the stag movies, then persuaded him to engage in mutual, mutual oral sex and adding, you have to have sex with a man before you start having sex with women. Which I'm like, what? (laughs) <laughs> are, you, are you trying to say that we we need to practice on our same sex to be able to have sex with the other person? No. Sorry, sweetheart. That doesn't sound right. Sorry, I had to take a swig. And it's just juice I'm drinking. I don't know why I had to say that because it's like how are you guys going to judge me? You guys can't see me. <laughs> you know? So, over the following months, Gacy similarly abused several other youths, including one whom he engaged, encouraged to have sex with his wife before blackmailing him into performing oral sex on him. 
Gacy tricked several teenagers into believing he was commissioned to conduct homosexual experiments in the interest of scientific research and paid them up to $50 each. In March of 1968, Voorhees reported to his father that Gacy had sexually assaulted him. Voorhees Sr. immediately informed the police who arrested Gacy and subsequently charged him with performing oral sodomy on Voorhees. Um, and then and the attempt of assaulting a 16-year-old Edward Lynch. Um, Gacy vehemently denied the charges and demanded to take a polygraph test. The, the results indicated Gacy was nervous when he denied any wrongdoing concerning both young men. Gacy publicly denied any wrongdoing and insisted the charges against him were politically motivated. Voorhees Sr. had opposed Gacy's nomination for appointment as president of the Iowa Jaycees. Several fellow Jaycees found Gacy's story credible and rallied to his support. But however, on May 10, 1968, Jaycee was indicted on the sodomy charges. So, here's a little doo-doo for you. So, the most striking aspect of the test results is the patient's total denial of responsibility for everything that, was, that has happened to him. He can produce an alibi for everything. He presents himself as a victim of circumstances and blames other people who are out to get him. The patient attempts to assure a sympathetic response by depicting himself as being at the mercy of a hostile environment. So that was a section of what was reported um, in Gacy's 1968 psychiatric evaluation. And so... On August 30, 1968, Gacy persuaded one of his employees, 18 years old Russell Schroeder, to physically assault Voorhees to discourage the boy from testifying against him in court. Gacy promised to pay Schroeder's 300 bucks. Schroeder agreed and in early September lured Voorhees to an isolated country park sprayed mace in his eyes, then beat him. Voorhees escaped and reported the assault to police, identifying Shorters at his, as his attacker. They arrested him the following day. Um, sorry, guys. I'm just going a little crazy right now. Put... I had some salad before this and it's like the wind is trying to blow it all over the place um so yeah so they arrested Schroeder for his attack they arrested him the following day so that wasn't smart right okay while initiating 
While initially he denied any involvement, Shorter soon confessed to assaulting Voorhees, indicating he had done so at Gacy's request. So he confessed, saying, hey, I did that to that kid, but it's because John wanted me to do so. He asked me to. I wasn't doing it because I wanted to, you know? So the police arrested Gacy and laid an additional charge of hiring Schroeder to assault and intimidate where he's against him, which we like to call witness intimidation. Kid, what the heck, you know? Then, a fly just hit my face. Whoa, that was nice. Like saying slap here, take that. Um... So on September 12th, Gacy was ordered to undergo a psychiatric evaluation at the psychiatric hospital of the University of Iowa. Two doctors examined him for 17 days before concluding he had an antisocial personality disorder, the clinical term for sociopath and or psychopath. And was unlikely to benefit from any therapy or medical treatment. That, and that his behavioral patterns was likely, you know, to bring him into repeated confliction with society. The doctors also concluded he had mental. He that he was mentally. He was mentally competent to stand trial. Okay, so mugshot of Gacy following his December 1968 sodomy conviction um, show was like put all over the place. So a lot of people knew, you know, who he was and they're like, what the French. Um, and then on November 1968, Gacy pled guilty to... Sorry about that. The train was passing and it didn't want you guys to have to hear all the train noise. Um, so, like I was saying, on November 7th, 1968, Gacy pleaded guilty to one count of sodomy about Voorhees, but not guilty to the charges related to the other youth. So, Gacy claimed Voorhees had offered himself to him and that he had acted out of curiosity. His story was not believed, thank God. Gacy was convicted of sodomy on December 3rd and sentenced to 10 years imprisonment to be served at the Anamosa State Penitentiary. Can't talk today. That same day, Gacy's wife petitioned for a divorce, requesting she would she be awarded the couple's home, the property, so custody of the two children, and alimony. Yeah, she went after everything. I would do the same thing too if that wasn't if I was in her show. I'd be like, Mm-mm, I want everything. I don't want you to have no contact with me. Nothing of what. Mm-mm. Find yourself somewhere else. You you decided to stick your penguin in something else. Now you can go shove your penguin up your carcass. But we're gonna behave. We're gonna behave. Okay. So the court ruled in her favor, which yay. 
um, and the divorce was finalized on September 18, 1969. So Gacy never saw his first wife or children after that. Um, during his incarceration in Anamosa State Penitentiary, Gacy rapidly acquired a reputation as a model prisoner. Within months of his arrival, he had risen to the position of head cook. He also joined the inmate Gacy chapter and increased his membership from 50 to 650 men in less than 18 months. He is known to have secured an increase in the inmates daily pay in the prison mess hall and to have supervised several projects to improve conditions for inmates in the prison and he became one of those guys that you knew not to mess with just because he was the head cook um which was basically you know if you did something that he didn't like um or you did something that he or if you said no to him let's be honest if you said no or crossed him um, you needed to find somewhere else to get food because that man was going to make it impossible for you. Just saying. Um, so, yeah. Um, so, by so, Summer of 1969, Gacy had overseen the installation of a miniature golf course in the prison recreation yard. Uh, in June 1969, Gacy was denied parole to prepare for a second scheduled parole hearing in May 1970. He completed 16 completed 16 high school courses for which he obtained his diploma in 19 in November 1969 um and then unfortunately on Christmas day of 1969 Gacy's father died from uh cirrhosis of the liver when informed of his father's death Gacy collapsed to the floor sobbing his request for supervised compassion, compassionate leave to attend the funeral was denied. Um, so Gacy was finally granted parole um, with 12-year probation on June 18, 1970, after having served 18 months of his 10-year sentence. Here's another train. Okay, so that was an Amtrak, so it wasn't that big. Um, so, after serving his 18 months of his 10-year sentence, conditions for his probation included that Gacy relocates to Chicago to live with his mother and that he has he must be observed at 10 p. So, basically, I'm going I'm to give it to you correct form. He had a 10 p.m. curfew, so he has to be at home by that time. If he was not, he would get locked back up as, you know, one of the rules to his probation. So on his release, Gacy told a friend and fellow JC, and fellow JC Clarence Lane, who picked him up from the prison and had remained steadfast 
to his belief of Gacy's innocence that he would never go back to jail and that he intended to reestablish himself in Waterloo. However, within 24 hours of his release, Gacy had relocated to Chicago. He arrived there on June 19th and shortly thereafter obtained a job as a short order cook in a restaurant. On February 12, 1969, Gacy was charged with sexual assaulting a teenage boy who claimed that he had lured him into his car at Chicago's Greyhound bus terminal and driven him to his home where he had attempted to force the boy into sex. The court dismissed this complaint when the boy failed to appear. On June 22nd, Gacy was arrested and charged with aggravated sexual battery and reckless conduct. The arrest was in response to a complaint filed by a youth who claimed that Gacy had flashed a sheriff badge, lured him into his car, and forced him to perform all sex. These charges were dropped after the 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 complainant's attempt to blackmail Gacy. Which, that doesn't help. Because it's like, dude, if you're going to go and, you know, file a report, you can't then go and try to blackmail him and extort him for whatever, you know? It's going to backfire on you. And then no one's going to believe you because everybody's going to think, well, you were doing this for money. Shit, shit went the way you didn't like it and... Now you're you're just being a douche. And the fact is, he probably was not being a douche. He was probably just saying, you know what? If I'm not going to get the correct justice, I might as well go and find a way to get get him by the balls, you know? And I understand that. Sometimes we feel like that would work better for us. But sometimes, in this case, it, it's just best to leave it for the cops to do what they got to do. You know? So with that being dropped, the Iowa Board of Parole did not learn of any of these incidents. And eight months later, on October 1971, Gacy Parole ended. Fudge. The following month, records of Gacy's previous criminal convictions were sealed. So now, there's no record of him ever, you know being charged and found guilty for sodomy. Well, not found guilty, but because he said he was guilty. But, you know, of any of the crime he did, you know, sheesh. Um, With financial assistance from his mother, Gacy bought a ranch house near the village of Norridge in Norwalk Park Township, an unincorporated area of Cook County, which itself is part of the metropolitan of Chicago, well, metropolitan area of Chicago. Um, He resided at the address 8213 West Summerdale Avenue um, until his arrest in December 1978. And according to Gacy, this is where he committed all the murders. So, Gacy was active in his local community, 
which is like, how, how do you, how do you have the time and the energy to do everything you're doing? And this man makes the, makes you realize it is possible to live in the daylight as this good Samaritan, hardworking man, and at night, under the, the moonlight, be the most evilest person ever. Shocking, but not. So, um, like I said, you know, Gacy was very active in the local community. He was helpful to his neighbors. Willing, he willingly loaned his con- construction tools and plowed snow for the neighborhood walk free of charge. Um, and in between 1974 and 1978, he hosted annual summer parties, each devoted to a particular theme. These events were attended by up to 400 people, including politicians. Um, here's the, the weird, awkward moment, is that in 1971, August, shortly after Gacy and his mother moved into this house, um on West Somerdale Avenue, he became engaged to Carol Huff, Huff, um, whom he had briefly dated in high school. They were married on July 1st, 1972. Caroline and her two young daughters from a previous marriage moved into Gacy's home soon after the couple announced their engagement his mother moved out of the house shortly before the wedding and by 1975 Gacy had told his wife that he was bisexual so after the couple had sex on Mother's Day that year he informed her that this would be the last time they would ever have sex he began spending most evenings away from home only to return in the early hours of the morning with the excuse he had been working late. Carol observed Gacy bringing teenage boys into his garage in the early hours and also found gay pornography and men's wallets and identification inside the house. When she confronted Gacy about who these items belonged, he informed her angrily that it was none of her business and to stay out of it i would have been like okay i'm gonna stay out of it i would have packed my shit and left because if you're married to me i don't care if you don't want to have sex anymore fine so be it there are toys for reasons but come on really dude come on no you're bringing shit into our married home. No, I'm I'm out. Deuces. Now you can do whatever the hell you want, and leave me the hell out of it. Out of it, you know. Don't use me as your alibi. Check that off your list. So, following a heated argument when she failed to balance a checkbook correctly in October 1975, she asked him for a divorce. He agreed. To his wife's request, although 
by mutual consent, she continued to live at the house until February 1976, when she and her daughters moved into their own apartment. One month later, on March 2nd, the Gacy's divorce decreed upon the false grounds of Gacy's infidelity with women were finalized. So he lied and said that he he was he was unfaithful um, and having extramarital affairs with females when it was actually with males. Here's another train. Dang, dang. Okay, that was a really long um, train. You guys don't know it because the fact that I paused this so it doesn't affect you guys. But I, I kind of wish I would have left it on. Um, because, like, so it was a cargo train, um, I can't remember what they freaking called it right now, um, but if you know what I mean, you know what I mean. Um, and in one of the cargo, um, it said, do not hump. And I'm like, are, are we serious right now? Do not hump. Okay. Maybe Optimus Prime would have wanted to hump it, but what? Okay. So, let's get back to the story and not the train. Um, So, yeah, their divorce got finalized. um, And then in 1971, Gacy established a part-time construction business, and he named it PDM contractors um the initials pdm were for painting decorating and maintenance um maybe they had some like you know other significance but i highly doubt that part you know i think it was just because it was easy painting decorating maintenance um and with the approval of his probation officer gacy worked evenings on his construction contracts while working as a cook during the day so initially he undertook minor repair jobs which as you know which was like you know sign writing pouring concrete and redecorating and later he expanded to include projects such as interior design remodeling installation um, assembly and landscaping and then in the mid 1973, Gacy quit his job as a cook so he can commit fully to his construction business. In 1975, PDM was expanding rapidly, and Gacy was working up to 16 hours per day. In March 1977, he began he became a supervisor of for PE Systems a firm specialized in the remodeling of drugstores. Between PE Systems and PDM, Gacy worked up to, you know, was working on like about four projects simultaneously and frequently traveled to other states. So by 1978, PDM annual revenue was over $200,000. So wow, he did good. So, we're going to go into about his little clown for a moment, okay? So, his 
clown outfit was called his clown name was Pogo the Clown, which was a heavy set man in a clown costume with balloons and he would be waving. So that's what you would see. Um, so throughout his membership in a local m- moose club, Gacy became aware of the Jolly Joker Clown Club, whose members regularly performed at fundraisers, events, and parades, in addition to volunteering, ad- voluntarily entertaining hospital- hospitalized children. So in nineteen, in like the late nineteen seventy-five, Gacy joined the Clown Club and created his own clown character, named Dun 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 Pogo the Clown, and Patches the Clown. Devising his makeup and costumes, um, so he described Pogo as a happy clown, whereas Patches was a more serious character. So if you look at his makeup, um, Pogo was more where the the ends, the corners of like the triangles and the the circle around his mouth. It was more of round everything was like more rounded off and they always say like if you round off your makeup it makes you appear more happier like a more happier clown um and when he would do patches it was more of there was more of an angle to it which normally if you pay attention to anything of serial of like killer clown movies or anything like that or clowns that it's like scary looking they always have like these points or these angles to their makeup and that's where it gets creepy just saying um, I did do, that's why I said I, I deep sea dive just to get rid of my, what was going on in my head. Um, just to kind of like stay, stay, you know, stay out of my head for a while. Um, so Gacy suddenly earned money for his performances and later said that acting as a clown allowed him to regress into childhood. Um, he performed as both Pogo and Patches at numerous local parties, politi- political, yeah, political functions, charitable events, and children in hospitals. Sometimes Gacy would remain in his clown gab um, after a performance and briefly drink at a local bar before returning home. Gacy voluntarily, voluntary public service as a clown throughout the years for of his murders led him to be called and be named the killer clown which is aka <laughs> partially the podcast name you know john Wayne gacy the killer clown so he he would um it was just crazy so what we're going to do is we're going to wrap it up right now and we're going to go for next week, finish with this and let you guys um, continue from there. We're going to go into his employment, to the rest of his employment um, history and then go into his murders, which there's a lot, his conviction and his death. All right. Yes, guys, he is dead. He's no longer the it. <laughs> all right guys um so that was for today i hope you guys enjoyed it um sorry about the doing the podcast outside it was just more relaxing for me and i shall talk to you guys later see you guys next week bye